Generous Church podcast, exploring what it means to selflessly love, give, serve, and live. Today we join Bob, Eric, and Richard as they discuss what it means to selflessly serve. We are looking at selflessly serving in the reluctant leader in Jonah. And uh, as we take a look at this and discuss it today, um, wondering, how would you describe Jonah in the midst of uh, the land he lived in and the people he was up against uh, as a prophet, as a, uh, a guy who God's calling to go see the toughest, roughest people on the planet? and people who've been treating him rude and, and crude. How do you uh, describe Jonah for me? One of you guys. I think Jonah was a, an interesting combination of um, bold faith mixed with the fear that we all have in the human experience. You know, we, we, we all have this, yes, I want to go and follow what God wants me to do unless he asks me to do that. And when he asked me to do that one thing, then all of a sudden, all the fear that's inside of us, who we really are, comes to surface. And Jonah had to deal with that. So Jonah's every one of us that's ever said to God, God, I'll do anything for you. Just don't send me there. Right. Yeah. Or do that. Yes. Right. right. I'll do anything but. <laughs> Why is it always the but, which is the bit he goes, I'll take you up on that one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like it's not about us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost, Bob. Almost. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks. So, so the selfless nature of a servant or a servant leader means sometimes we do have to set aside our own agendas. So, talk to me a little bit about what it means in your life to have to set aside an agenda. What What would be an example of an agenda that you might have to set aside? Well, I think the reality is we all, we all have agendas. We all have had agendas or we do have agendas. And I, I think it's, it's um, in a way, it's more about learning how to set them aside than think that you can live without them, hmm. if that makes sense. I think we, we kind of predispose to, to have an outcome in mind when we step into a thing. And I think we do that in ministry a lot. We have an outcome in mind that we'd like to see happen and we almost want to do a deal that we say, if that outcome happens, I'm happy to step out in faith. So, yeah, I'll do that if you're going to make it look like this at the end. Um, and so to go into that and to step out in faith and do whatever it is God's asking you to do without knowing that outcome is the ultimate step of faith. And just saying, I am obedient in the going and I trust that you know what you're doing. Um, so I think our agendas and our preconceived ideas and our desires to know the end product go with us often. And I also think along with that, that our focus on our agenda over a period of time, often in thinking we're doing what God wants us to do, we're more focused on getting what we preconceived that our agenda would result in sure. <laughs> than actually what God wants. So then all of a sudden we're going kind of veering in opposite direction from where God wants us to. And then we have these correction points that right. come in and it questions a lot of things that we've done. 
Absolutely. I think one of the other things is <laughs> sometimes I don't think God reveals the outcome of things because to be perfectly honest, we're not ready to know that right. at the beginning. So um, working with young leaders for many years, I would say to them, the vision you have today may not be the one that ultimately God has you to do, but it's the one you need to get out of bed this morning. And it's not the one that scares you so much that you don't do anything. <laughs> and because honestly, I've, there's been a lot of things in my life that I've ended up doing in places I've ended up and things I've ended up saying to certain people and being with people that if you'd have told me that at the beginning, I would have been extremely paralyzed. I wouldn't have wanted to even start on that journey because that end product, I'm, that's, I, I don't even know how to deal with that. But the reality is I think you learn, it's in the going, yeah? It's the, it's the Macedonian man. It's the go here, but in the going, actually, actually, I think you better go over here. But if I'd have told you to go over there in the first place, you'd have just said, no way. Um, and so it, it's in the going that you start to, re, you see and start to see what it is that, that God has for you. So faith grows because little by little, God introduces the next step to us. And so seldom in our lives do we, do we find ourselves like a prophet named Jonah where God says to us, look, I want you to do the riskiest, scariest, most drastic thing you'll ever do in your life. And I want you to do it today. There's a, there are steps along the way where God can, can ask us to, uh, Hey, I want, I want you to go meet a neighbor. I want you to, I want you to do something. And you start to take those steps. And in the process, you learn little things about yourselves and you learn some things about your neighbor. And in doing so, it opens up some more doors, which allows you to take a, a second step of faith and a third step. And so it, it doesn't always feel like the big leap, but at some point in our life, I think each one of us, God calls us to some step of faith that's a little beyond what we ever imagined possible for ourselves. Sure. But for some people, uh, talking to their neighbor is equivalent to what God is asking Jonah to do. Absolutely. <laughs> like right. it, it feels the same. I think that's always the hard thing is when you've, um, you've taken large steps of faith and you've seen God show up, you go, oh, okay. So the next one, you kind of build on that. And the danger, not only do you have a preconceived kind of idea of how you want your stuff to turn out, you can look at other people and go, that's not even a big step. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, why can't you? And that for them, it's just as real and just as big as it was for you in the first place as well. And, and comparatively, it feels the same as God saying, go to the other end of the world to the people who hate you <laughs> and you don't particularly like either and go and do this for me. It feels the same. I'm not saying it is the same, but it feels the same. Well, and let, yeah. let's talk about that a little bit because you're talking about looking at other people. And it's easy sometimes to look at other people and then say, well, that's a bigger, a small step of faith right. based on your experience. But the reality is we need to be focused more on our own right. walk of faith. Because when we take a step of faith on our own, not only does it bring clarity or more clarity on where God really wants you to go, but it also brings the hard confrontation of the things that we have to overcome in our own character to get to where God wants us to go. Yeah. So I would much rather look at Bob and say, well, he's taking a step of faith and he's going to see these things he needs to work on and deflect on what it is I need to do. And right. there's, you know, and that has a lot of implications when I begin to do that on all those that are close to me in my own life as well. So we're talking about neighbors and we're talking about taking risk and, and faith and the big steps and all mm -hmm. of that. And 
I can't help but picture in my mind, our kids are growing up and in our backyard, we have a basketball court and we're playing basketball and occasionally you overshoot the backboard and it crosses the fence and it goes into the neighbor's yard. And you can walk completely around the block, go knock on the neighbor's door, ask politely to go into their backyard and, and get it. But instead, we would just jump the fence, grab the ball, throw it back over, jump back over, and you just keep playing. Sure. And one day, the neighbor's in his backyard, and he's raking leaves. And the ball went over. So we stood at the fence, my son and I, and I hollered across the fence, uh, excuse me, could you give us the ball? And the gentleman kept raking. And I said, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. And in my mind, I must have a deaf neighbor. I've never met the man. I've seen him a couple of times, but he seems to be a real homebody. He doesn't come out much. So I say to my son, just go get the ball. So my son jumps the fence, grabs the ball, comes back. We play some ball. And uh, about a week or two later, we're back out playing. Neighbor is working in a small shed in his backyard. Ball goes back over the fence. And uh, I say, excuse me, can we have the ball? And my neighbor looks right at me and he says, no. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, what's the deal? And he's like, no, you're the most disrespectful person I know. And I've said, I... I apologize. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, I come over here to the fence. Let's chat. So he walks over to the fence and I put my hand out and I said, how about if we start over? My name's Bob. What's yours? And he said, it doesn't matter. We can be neighbors, but we don't have to be friends. And uh, I was totally taken back. I, I couldn't figure it out. And I said, you, you said I'm very disrespectful. What did I do? And he said, the other day, when I didn't respond to you, you told your son, well, just go over anyway. And so you came without permission on my property. And I said, well, I need to fully apologize to you. I said, I'll tell you, I try to live my life with principles that exemplify who Jesus Christ is. And if I haven't done that, then I've done a bad thing and I apologize. And that statement he started crying and he said, you know, I've been treated like nothing my entire life and at work and I'm probably taking out on you all of the things I feel at work right now. And we ended up, my son ended up going to Kenya for a short-term mission trip and while he was there, he bought a small antique car that was made out of wood, some little craft shop. And he brought it back and he handed it to the neighbors because he said, I saw you had an old one in your garage and I thought you might like this. Uh, they came to his graduation open house. They, I mean, it became really good friends. But as I look at that, I remember thinking at the time, I think I'm in for a fight with my neighbor over a basketball. And in the end, we just, we had to take that step of communicating with a neighbor and, and taking that step or risk or whatever it was certainly wasn't the outcome I thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah, I remember approaching that fence and, and you know, you, your insides are all a bubble because you're sure you're going to end up in some form of verbal sparring anyway. 
It was just interesting to me that it, it didn't go anything the way I thought it would. They ended up becoming good friends of ours. But our relationship did not start off that way. Sure. And, you know, I wonder if in Jonah's case, you know, when you've got an entire city that in the end turns their lives over to God. You know, we don't hear the end of the story with Jonah, you know, but was there great relief in the community because all of a sudden our, our mortal enemies have turned to worship the same God we do? You know, I don't know how it ended up. In my case, that's the way it did end up. And you talk about taking a risky step. That was, you know, I'm glad I took the step. And let's talk about what happens if our initial reaction is like Jonah's was. God calls us to do something and we run the opposite direction. What impact does that have on those around us? And what does it have on us? On us? What? Your thoughts on that? Well, I think the reality for you, let's use your, let's use your story. Um, you could have spent the next however many years living with friction, unresolved relationship, um, a real sense of disconnection from, from someone who lives mm -hmm. in your space. Like a neighbor's an important person. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I'm, and if, if your original interaction or even just your original thought of, of, of interacting with this person, if you'd have said, no, I'm going to just, I'm going to let that be. <laughs> That's just too hard. I'm going to the that store and yeah. buying another, yeah. right. yet another basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and I may build a higher fence. fence. Yes. <laughs> so I don't have to make eye contact with this guy ever again. <laughs> um, the potential hostility and the unknown and the... Uh, you live with the consequences of that stuff, right? Yeah. And ultimately, the Jonah story, is, it's about, it's, it's just consequences of decisions. The Bible's pretty much all about, well, if you do this, this happens. It's yeah. not a surprise. <laughs> Most of it's not judgment. It's just, well, you do that, guess what? This happens. And, and the consequence of you <clears throat> saying, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not going to deal with that. It's too hard. I, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. Um, it's just not something I want to pursue. You have to live with the consequences of that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, but I, I think you know the lesson is you lean in, not knowing the outcome, but being bold enough to know that God is in the midst of that interaction. Um, God works, not knowing how yep. or the way you would like it. <clears throat> I'm sure you didn't enjoy that initial interaction. Well, you know, I didn't walk to the fence thinking, wow, I really am a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> right. I left the fence thinking that was true. Okay. And I, and I think that's part of the humility side of servant leadership. Sure. As, as you're leading, you, you've got to be at that point where you go, all right, um, I am convinced beyond belief as I walk into this situation that, Eric, this is 100% your fault. You usually do, Bob. Yeah. Well, what if, what if there's a percent or two that's mine? Let's look at that in my own mind. Let me look at that. And, and what I'll find more times than not is, well, you know, I probably led you down a road far enough so that you could make some decisions that I don't agree with. 
But in the end, it, it all comes back to me. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, it wasn't Bob 2%. It was Bob 98% or more. And, and maybe in the act of learning servant leadership and humility and selflessness, we all come to the point <clears throat> of, of going, it's you know, probably most of the things we bump into in this world are, are, are self-inflicted. Well, and you know what? One of the things that stands out to me in, in the Jonah story when he ran and got on that boat, a storm hit the boat, and God was chasing Jonah down. And, w- and he jumped off the boat when he realized his choice to run away from God was creating turmoil in the people's life around him. Now, you look at the very practical story that, that you said, and Richard said, well, had you not gone and spoke to your neighbor, you would have created a storm in a sense because you're running from reconciling and doing the right thing. That's yep. what we're called to. And it would have created strife, not just in you, and over time that could have spread over into the whole neighborhood. And we all have issues like that in our life that we need to confront and deal with so we can develop the character in our life to become who God wants us to be. But I often wonder when we find ourselves in a stormy situation, do we contemplate, am I running from something God wants me to do? And is, is it possible that some of this or all of this is my fault right and what do we do with that yeah i hope you weren't asking me <laughs> what do we do with that but i think but you that's were the good... one that solved the basketball issue we thought you had yeah points. so i solved the one problem that came my way it's, right okay. it's, you're not you're up next um yeah i what do you do with that i think that's a question that each one of us have to struggle with and try to answer in our own lives with with our own situation, you know, um, man, if you're listening to this, think for just a second, who's the Nineveh in your life? Well, in yeah. the other one, the people that we love, that we care for, that are in our inner circle. And we know that our, our friends and family are struggling through their own things that maybe they're running from. But do we contemplate do the storms in our life? Are, how much are they hurting the people that are around us that are dealing with real life situations themselves? It's a very complicated issue, but it's also very real. Um, you know, and, and we can't just jump off the boat, right? And we, I mean, we have our own journey we have to go through on all of this, but how do we, when we're living selflessly, this idea of, of being generous, uh, I think some of us are actually being very selfish when we choose not to look inside and deal with the things that we're running from God from, because it is impacting you all, my friends, Bob and Richard, it's my failure to look inside actually impacts you in a negative way that keeps you from becoming who God created you to be. Well, you know, as mom used to say, just do what's right the first time and nobody gets hurt. So learn to do what's right the first time. That'll preach. Thanks for listening. For more information on the Generous Church Project, find us at www.generouschurchproject.org. Subscribe today on iTunes to keep up to date with more podcasts.